Well, good evening, everyone. Uh, yes, as you heard, my name's Cameron Griffiths. I'm the pastor at Croydon, but I was here um, about seven years ago, I think it was, and um, certainly good to uh, look around and see familiar faces, uh, particularly good to see some um, people that were in youth group when I was there, or perhaps parents of. Um, and uh, while I'm there, I should say a big thank you from Croydon to Donvale for... Um, allowing us to have some of our youth come along to youth group here. Um, They've greatly benefited from that. All right, we're going to come to God's word now. I'm going to lead us in prayer and then we'll read. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you speak and we do pray that you'll speak to us now. Uh, Please help us to listen and uh, remember the great confidence we can have in you and your son. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, Psalm 57. And um, uh, I'm going to read the little intro as well. Psalm 57, page 563. To the choir master, according to Do Not Destroy... A miktam of David when he fled from Saul in the cave. Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge, till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts. The children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Well, have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy on me. Uh, When we're hit by disaster, where do we go? When we're we're threatened, when we're tempted, when we're riddled by guilt, where do we go? Um, Some time ago when we had the Melbourne earthquake, uh, there was this moment I I was working at my desk, felt the trembles. 
And I knew I had to do, there was some kind of protocol I should do, but I wasn't that well versed in it. And so I ran in, gathered my family, and we went to what I thought in that moment in time was the safest part of the house. The, the earthquake passed, and I looked up to the sky, and there was in the ceiling this huge crack that had been there forever. That was the one place in the house where it was probably the weakest part of my house. Fortunately, nothing fell down. But we can so easily, can't we, so easily put our trust in the wrong things in life, things that won't protect when trouble comes our way. And I trust that this psalm will be a help to us uh, to refocus on the right things uh, and be confident in them. Well, there's a little bit of historical background that I'll just uh, give you about this psalm, which is important and we need to just get our heads around it before we dive into the text. Uh, Israel uh, wanted a king. Uh, they, they, they weren't content with uh, the, the God that was their king. Uh, they wanted a king over the, uh, like the other nations and so they got one and that was Saul. And so uh, the book of one Samuel tracks the rise and fall of King Saul. Uh, he, he was Israel's first king and uh, an, an impressive man he was. Uh, he was a very handsome man, it says, and uh, he was tall. He was uh, a head taller than everyone else. And yet in his reign, he shows himself that uh, that is not enough. Uh, he reveals in his reign that he is a, as an impulsive man who, who doesn't lead Israel as he should. And as you read through uh, 1 Samuel, uh, we see the, the, walls, uh, the wheels falling off his leadership. Um, uh, from there on the sideline, there's young King David, or young David, son of Jesse, uh, showing himself to be a man after God's own heart. He, he was uh, the heir apparent. And as Saul uh, loses God's favour, began to lose his grip on his position of leadership, he could see David was this one winning the hearts of the people. Uh, he was uh, one after God's own heart and, and Saul was desperately uh, jealous. Uh, last night we would have watched the the, uh, the coronation, King Charles, and uh, I noticed that uh, there was a time in the ceremony uh, where William, the next in line on the throne, he was there and he, he pledged his allegiance to his dad. Uh, does he want to be king? Maybe, maybe not. Um, does King Charles want to be king? Maybe, maybe not. Um, and yet we can see uh, at least uh, appreciate that Saul and David, they, uh, they had a great desire to lead the people of Israel. And this led to this great challenge. And, and Psalm 57, it speaks of this difficult time, uh, this difficult time in David's life uh, specifically. David was to be king and yet Saul, uh, Saul was the king and he was not ready to let it go. Well, with that background, uh, look with me at how David's psalm begins here. Uh, verse 1. He says, uh, he says, Have mercy, uh, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful uh, to me. 
And I guess that, that's a, a prayer for various reasons. Many of us have, have prayed at many times in our lives. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe in the sense like the tax collector in the, in the Gospels. Uh, we've been so conscious of our own shame, failures, and it's led us to cry out to God, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Or maybe it's more like times, like in, in David's situation here, where we're in great danger, maybe in, in desperate, desperate need. And we've cried out, have mercy on me, O oh my God. And you may have noticed in the, in the preface of this psalm, uh, it says uh, uh, to the choir master, according to do not destroy a miktam of David when he fled from Saul in the cave. So the context here is 1 Samuel 22. Uh, and you might be familiar with the story. Uh, it was a time when David was in desperate need. Uh, he was on the run. King Saul was after him. He wanted him dead. And uh, there was this nationwide uh, manhunt for him. Uh, Saul had the power of Israel's armies behind him. Uh, David was totally outclassed, outgunned. And David, he must have been just incredibly scared because of the, the first place that he runs to uh, was to the city of Gath, one of the Philistine cities, chapter 21. And he was there carrying Goliath's own sword. Um, in his haste to escape, uh, it was the only sword that he had the ability to get before he took off. And uh, there's a picture of it, just if you don't believe me. Um, and, so, and so you'd think that this was the last place David might want to go and show his face into uh, this, this place, the Philistine centre, where uh, this Philistine hero uh, came from, from Gath. And David, of course, was this man who lopped off his head. Uh, the last place he'd want to go. Uh, what is that like? Well, uh, my wife and I was, were wondering about this. Maybe it's like stealing a TV from someone's house and then going back and asking for the user's manual to help you set it up. That's bold, isn't it? Uh, perhaps going into an Apple store and telling them how great your Samsung phone is. Or perhaps going into a vegan restaurant and bringing along with you a T-bone steak to just get fried on the, on the hot plate while you wait for your broccoli. Uh, it, it would just be a totally unpopular thing to do. Well, David might as well have been asking uh, the Philistines to sharpen his sword while he's there. It would be so unpopular. Anyway, his actions were fraught with danger. Uh, it was a bold move to show himself, uh, show his face in uh, this area. But clearly, clearly David reckoned that that was safer. That was safer to be there than to stay anywhere in Israel. Such was the, the level of danger that he, he considers himself in uh, here from, from Saul. And, uh, and Psalm, Psalm 56 and 57, uh, they go together. A number of Psalms, uh, you'll find, they, they hang together. They're twin Psalms. Psalm 56 was written in Gath. And, and so he's now left there. He's now gone off to hide himself in this cave. 
Saul and his soldiers, they're still hunting for him, uh, armed to the teeth, baying for his blood, like ravenous beasts. And David says in in, uh, verse 4, he says, My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts. So David's hiding in this cave. Uh, Sometimes we speak metaphorically, don't we, of, of being in a cave. Uh, sometimes uh, that, that means we're, we're in a dark place. Uh, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're hiding, we're having these dark thoughts perhaps, uh, where we're, we're brooding over certain things going on. Perhaps we're in a state of depression. Uh, perhaps our, our thoughts are full of despair, fear, self-pity. Uh, commonly, uh, we're being introspective. We're, we're contemplating our own navel, uh, you might say. But the wonderful, wonderful thing is about this psalm and David's state of mind here as he sits in this cave is, is, is actually his thoughts are, are full of God. His heart's off, his, 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 all he's thinking about is God. Uh, in these moments, we might instinctively be moaning, you know, oh, oh why me? David prays in this very uninstinctive way here. The psalm is full of confidence, full of hope, full of joy, joy in God. And you might have heard AFL matches sometimes described as uh, matches of two halves. Well, perhaps you've noticed that this psalm, this psalm is a psalm of two halves. Uh, There's this refrain. This refrain that's, that's repeated. And so verse 5, uh, it closes off the first half. And then verse 11 closes off the second half with this same refrain. It says, uh, Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. So it's a bit like a, a chorus in a song. Uh, it seems to be focusing our hearts on, um, on the heart of the song. Uh, that's what these verses do. They're capturing the main thrust, I think, of the psalm here. He begins with his own needs, but very quickly he's captured with the glory of God. The darkness and the gloom of this cave gives way to this gaze as it goes up to God, gazing up to God and out to uh, the ends of the earth. And so really there's two headings here. Uh, two halves of this song. Firstly, God, my refuge. And then secondly, God, my song. So, first half, God, my refuge. Uh, And have a look at verse 1 again. Uh, Verse 1, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass. Uh, yes, David is in this cave, but it's not ultimately in this cave that he's taking his refuge, is it? No. What does it say? In you. In you I take my refuge. In his God. When he looks up, he just doesn't see that rock ceiling. It's as though he sees the outspread wings of God above him. Uh, it's, is it speaking of something like this, of, of a great eagle with its Wings spread out, picture of strength and protection. Or 
it might be uh, something more like this, the image of a hen uh, with all its chicks gathered under its, its arms, its, its wings, um, tender care, love. Whatever the exact image David is driving at here, it's a picture of, of great uh, security in his God. And David uses this image so many times through the Psalms. Uh, clearly, this is a, a, a precious image in David's mind, illustrating God's great care and his, his protection over him as he confronts the many troubles in his life. An image that, that explains something of the, of the strength that he demonstrated in so many of, his, of the situations that he, he finds himself in his life. I'll take refuge in the shadows of your wings, O God. And as he does so, see verse 2, he cries out to God in prayer, remembering who God is. He is God most high. Uh, however big the, the threat against David, however too big it is for David, his God, he remembers, is God most high. He is the God, verse 2, who vindicates me, uh, talks about, uh, yeah, who fulfills his purposes for me. He brings it to fulfilment. He, he, he completes it. He, he brings it to its end. And so, so it, might, it might be saying, God, uh, you bring uh, this disaster to an end. Or it could even be saying he, he brings his, his purposes to an end for me. Uh, he's, the, he's God most high, absolutely sovereign. He fulfills his purposes and he does so, David says, for me. Uh, because in all this, this is the God who works for the good of those who love him. Uh, this is God, uh, this God is, is, is not going to abandon me. He won't leave me in my terrible situation. He will fulfill uh, his, uh, his purposes for David. And then also verse 3, he is, he's the God who saves. Sending forth, what does it say? We might hope and expect it to say, sending forth his strength to save me. But David actually says, sends forth his, his love and his faithfulness. Which is actually so much more wonderful, isn't it? Uh, those are those two qualities God uh, sends forth to fill his purposes to save his, his covenantal love and his covenantal faithfulness. And so as David takes refuge in God, he is, he is safe. Uh, what a God to take refuge in, in, in God most high, the God of love, the God of faithfulness who saves, who fulfills his purposes keeps his promises. And because of that, David rests, it says. Uh, when it says in verse 4, uh, I'm forced to dwell among ravenous beasts, uh, literally, I, I lie down. I lie down amongst ravenous beasts. Here I am in the midst of lions. And maybe as he sits there in the cave, he, uh, he can hear his enemies prowling around on the mountainside outside, hunting for him, whose teeth, he says, are like spears and arrows, whose tongues, he says, are like sharp swords. And yet with God as his refuge, 
He might hear those violent words, hear them moving around outside, but David says, I I lie down among ravenous beasts. He sleeps, resting in in the shadow of the Almighty. That he's not resting away from trouble. He's resting in the midst of trouble as he takes refuge in God. Now the second half of the psalm, uh, God my song, God my song. And as I mentioned halfway through, uh, through is this chorus underlying the point of this psalm, the key truth, verse 5, be exalted, O God, above the heavens, let your glory be over all the earth. Uh, back in verse 2, uh, David was crying out in desperate need, and now this, his cry is different. Uh, not a cry of desperation. Now it's, it's this cry of confident joy, really. Now his heart is not overwhelmed with all the matters going on in his life, his personal safety, etc. Now he is focused on, on God's glory. Not his enemies armed to the teeth with spears and arrows, but now the God who is above the heavens the God whose glory will one day be over all the earth. It's not his own vindication so much as God's vindication that he's thinking about as all the earth acknowledge his his God and his glory. And in verse 6, the enemies are, are mentioned again out trying to trap him, but there's this lovely twist See, it doesn't say, they spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit for my feet and and I've fallen into it. That's what we'd expect. But what does it say? But they have fallen into it themselves. David is speaking of of what is yet to happen and, and yet he's confident. He's so confident that it will happen. For God's purposes, uh, they will prevail. And so David goes on in verse 7. He says, My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I'll sing and make melody. Uh, Awake my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. Uh, David won't just be sitting there quietly in this cave. No, he wants to sing. He, He fled in such a hurry, he didn't even have time to to take his own weapon with him. But he's longing now to praise his God and and he wishes that he had something with him, not his sword, but his lap, his, his, uh, his, his harp, his lyre. He longs to awaken the dawn with his praise to God. He wants his, his, the whole world to join with him in praising his God in song. Uh, verse 9. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. You see, he wants the whole world to know uh, of God's great love, this this love, this faithfulness that we heard back in verse 3, that God sent forth to save him. He longs his love and his faithfulness. We know by the whole world, for great is your love, reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the sky. All must know about it. 
Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over the, over the entire earth. And I wonder how you read the Psalms. Do you not just read them, but do you, do you pray them yourself? So often we can start with where we're at, uh, like this one, have mercy on me, my God. But the psalm often takes us somewhere, uh, like this one. Uh, it, it takes us somewhere to where we should be. In a sense, it puts a new song in our heart, in our mouth. Uh, David's psalm should be our outlook in, in times of trouble. But of course, we need to be careful, don't we, uh, moving too quickly from David straight to us. Uh, firstly, we need to think about how David for, uh, foreshadows Jesus. Yes, David does write out of his own experience, that's true. But inspired by the Spirit, he's, he's also writing in a, in a prophetic way. David as king is speaking uh, uh, of the experience of becoming king. And so he points forward. To, to, to the coming anointed one, David's greatest king, uh, the Lord Jesus. It's good for us to think about uh, what these words uh, sound like in Jesus' lips. He certainly would have prayed in this manner. And we've just come out of Easter. Uh, it's very appropriate. We contemplate how, uh, how fitting these words are coming out of Jesus' mouth. Um, Verse 4, my soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts, a fiery beast, the children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. And and that was Jesus' experience, wasn't it? Crowds baying for his blood, soldiers cruelly mocking him, not to mention the Uh, floggings, the nails, crown of thorns. It's interesting to find in the the Anglican liturgy, um, this psalm is down to be read over Easter. Uh, And you can see why, I think. Uh, David's deliverance from Saul foreshadows Christ's resurrection from the dead. Uh, Jesus was buried in a cave, but then victoriously raised to life, vindicated by God. And Jesus' prayer and his song now become our chorus. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. He wants people of every nation to the ends of the earth to join with him in this song, to to know of God's great love and his faithfulness. And then one day, as, as Habakkuk says, The whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. And Jesus says, uh, let it be so. Let it be so. May all see and praise you, God, for your love and your faithfulness. May you be exalted above the nations. Jesus sings with absolute conviction in his heart, that it will be so. Are you that confident? Am I that confident? If only we were. Uh, So often we can look around our world and just not feel that confidence. 
as we see so much, uh, so much trouble, so much conflict in our world, so many people uh, rejecting the Lord Jesus, so, so few who, who know anything of, of God's love and his faithfulness. Is it really going to be the case that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God? Well, it's as though the risen Lord Jesus says in verse 9, in verse 9, uh, I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I'll, I'll sing of you among the peoples. And he calls us as his people uh, to join him and to add our voice to his praise. And yes, David, uh, David was alone when he wrote this psalm. But as time went on, as we hear about his story, he, he was joined by by others, this, this growing band of, of, uh, of followers, this motley crew of outcasts, they joined him. And, and that's a nice picture, really, of the church today, uh, where this motley crew joining together around our rejected king, the Lord Jesus. And, and perhaps David, David taught these people that gathered around him. Uh, reminding them of God's great promises, his, his plans for them, teaching them, this psalm perhaps, teaching them uh, to sing it with him. And in the same way, Jesus wants us to learn to sing this song uh, with him. And, and we might struggle to, to make uh, these confident words our words. Uh, we might, lo- might lack this same confidence uh, and conviction. Our hearts might be uh, a little bit shaky as we look at the state of play in our world. But it becomes easier to sing a song when you're, when you're led by someone who, who, who sings really well, who has a, a beautiful voice, who, who uh, confidently uh, sings out the tune. And as we sing this song with Christ, as he, as he leads us, that should help us to sing this song as well with great confidence. This is ultimately his song. We join with him. And we should sing this confidently. These are words that we can sing because we, as Christians, have taken refuge in him, uh, just like David. We've, we've taken refuge in God. Uh, uh, what a refuge we enjoy in the shadow of his wings. God has sent from heaven his, his love and his faithfulness to save us. He has sent, he, sent it in, in person, in the person of his son. He's come to save us. He is the God who vindicates all of us, who, who fulfills his purposes for us, working all things for the good of those who love him, uh, promising, having begun a good work in us, he will carry it on to completion. He's, he fulfills his purposes for us. What a, what a great God that we worship. And whatever metaphorical uh, lions might be prowling around in your life at the moment, we know that he is our refuge. As a Christian, we can, we can rest in him. But as, as we do so, uh, our longing should be uh, that others also will know this great comfort and rest that we have. Our, our neighbours, our, our colleagues at work, our friends and family, uh, 
people are in Donvale and surrounds, people off in the PNG highlands, whoever it might be, they need to know of this God, this, his great love, his great faithfulness. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. That is, that is what our song is to be. And, of course, there's nothing worth singing more, is there, than that. There's nothing more worthy of our confidence. His resurrection, his ascension to the Father's right side, it assures us that one day his glory will really be over all the earth. Is that your vision? Or are you stuck focusing on your own troubles? Let's pray. Our Father God, we pray that this would be true of our world and that the confidence we see in these words will be ours, that we would sing this song from hearts that look forward in hope for your glory, that we would join the Lord Jesus in singing this song. Thank you that you can lead us in it. Thank you that he is the risen Lord and and that we can be confident of the things it speaks of. Please may we be so amazed by your love and your faithfulness, so sure that you are the most high God and sovereign over all and graciously working in us, that we would love, we would long to sing of your name to others. Please may our lips be filled with your praise this week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.